This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. We sang a hymn earlier which said um, that we were going to praise God and it says, Him serve with mirth. And I always think that's, that's kind of a great line. I think we've served Him with mirth or we've seen Jesus serve with, with happiness, joy and mirth today. So that's fantastic. We're going to actually be talking just for a little while about that thing that Jesus said in John chapter 14 from the second reading we had um, uh, read for us by Philia um, where he talked about home because we've been talking about coming home for Christmas in the lead up for Christmas because home is so important for us. You see, you and I, we need to belong. We really need, we really want somewhere where we belong. Um, when I was growing up in the 1980s, there was this terrible TV show called Cheers. Does anyone remember Cheers? You remember about three people who are as old as me. And uh, the the, uh, the the theme song for Cheers always, it went, um, where you, you need a place where everybody knows your name. And I think that's something true in us. We need a place to call home. And that's what Christmas time is supposed to represent, isn't it? It's the one particular day of the year when we ask ourselves, now where is there a place for me? And the ideal is, the ideal is that we gather with our loved ones around a feast and experience the joy of belonging. But that sweet picture often turns out to be the judge of us when we can't meet it. When Christmas doesn't live up to its billing because it's a time of year, it then becomes a time of year that you might actually look forward to with dread. A festival of belonging is awful if you don't belong or if belonging is a kind of bitter and shameful experience. You know, when Uncle Terry has too much what we call Christmas cheer again and picks a fight with mum over who was the family favourite of the previous generation. Or that year after the divorce, when the kids weren't there for the first time. Or when the brother-in-laws start measuring up how successful they've been, trying to put the other one in his place. Or maybe, maybe it's just that you don't have anywhere or anyone that you belong to. There's no point cooking a turkey, since there's no one to share it with. You need two people to pull a Christmas cracker, after all. At Christmas, more than any other time, seems designed to highlight our need to belong, our longing for a home, and our pain when we don't belong, or when belonging is painful. And that longing for somewhere to belong is very, a very powerful driver in human beings. Now, in Sydney, of course, we mostly express this longing to belong by complaining about real estate prices, that I'll never be able to afford somewhere to live in the place that I grew up or that my kids won't be able to afford a place to live in the place that they grew up. But for a lot of people, it's more serious than that, to have that experience of having lost your place in the world when you learn that the place that you thought was your home is no longer safe, that you no longer belong there, that you are not home at home, is the traumatic experience of being a refugee. Now, that's a politically hot topic, but it's a hot topic, I think, because it's a, the very idea of being a refugee is so upsetting to most human beings. What must it like to be disconnected and displaced? When we haven't had that experience, we tend to focus on the lack of possessions. We imagine that losing your home and possessions is the worst thing about it. But the worst part is actually the psychological trauma of being ripped from home and wondering, where is my place on earth? And this happened to a friend of mine called Nada, who's from a country called Croatia. 
And uh, there was a war there in the early 1990s and she was studying away from home. She came home from uni, knocked on the door of the flat that she lived in with her mother and sister and to her surprise, a soldier, one of her own country's soldiers, came to the door and told her that the government had taken over her flat as a place for soldiers to stay, to use as barracks. The family possessions had been simply dumped. She had no family photos, no mementos, no early childhood toys, nothing. It wasn't the loss of those possessions that really made her cry even today, but the feeling that there is now no longer a home. And we think about belonging a lot at Christmas, but the funny thing is what we've just seen in the story of Christmas is that there was no place for Jesus at Christmas, the festival that bears his name. Now you may think that's a very strange thing indeed. He's supposed to be the centre of the whole show. But you remember the story. Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's ancestral home, the place where his ancestors were from, so that they could be counted by the Roman emperor. They weren't exactly refugees, but it was certainly a forced journey at a very difficult time. But even though it was a sort of homecoming, there was no place for them. And so the first cradle in which the king of the universe was placed as a baby was, was what? Anyone? It was the manger, that's right. Thank you, adults. It was the manger. Let's not glamorise it. You go down to Meyer and you look in the window and there'll be a beautiful nativity scene that will look fantastic. You'll think, oh, I could, I could sleep in a bed of straw. That'd be pretty cool. But no, this was the animal food trough. This was not clean. This was a sign that Jesus could not find even a small room in an obscure town in the Middle East. When the one who created the whole world came to the earth that he made, there was not even a space for him. What's more, and again we saw this this morning, the local king, King Herod, what did he do? He wanted Jesus dead because he saw him as a threat. So Jesus and his parents could not stay safely in Bethlehem, but had to rush off to Egypt, fleeing, fleeing for their lives to escape. And Jesus knew this rejection all his life. He says this in John's Gospel. He says, um, or John says this in John's Gospel about Jesus. Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which were his own, but his own did not receive him. He came to his own family, his own people, his own place, and yet they did not receive him. One time someone came up to Jesus and said, you know, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'm pretty impressed by you. But Jesus said in reply, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but I, the son of man, have no place to lay my head. You know, a fox makes its home in a hole in the ground or in the garbage piles of our city. A bird stitches together a home out of twigs and feathers and cat fur, whatever it can find. But Jesus had no home, no place. He was rejected wherever he went. And he said, look, if you want to follow me, realise that I'm homeless. People start off by welcoming me with open arms, but they tend to throw me out. And of course, the story which began with no room for Jesus in the end ended up with no room in the world for him. Let's not beat around the bush. The story of Christmas is not a story of being accepted. It's a story that ends with Jesus being rejected and executed. 
Just the other day I had in here the three-year-olds and four-year-olds from Cranbrook, the preschool next door in our building. And uh, you think, look, it's much easier to explain to three-year-olds and four-year-olds about Christmas than it is about Easter. Christmas, it's about gifts, isn't it? It's about tinsel and fluff and happy stuff, a baby and a mum. What, what could go wrong? But the kids kept looking past me. They were sitting here and I was just sitting on the step and looking at the picture of Jesus behind me here and saying, what happened to Jesus? Why is he dying? Why did they, what did they do to him? How did he die? Did they kill him? God approaches our broken and desperate world in Jesus. And you know, you'd think we'd be happy to see help arrive. You'd think we'd welcome him into his home, his own home. But what happened? Even the three-year-olds couldn't miss him. But even though Jesus had no place when he came to earth, he came to offer us, you and me, a place with his Father in heaven. No place for him, but he came to offer us a place. That was in our reading today. Just before he died, Jesus gave his disciples a bit of a pep talk. They were pretty upset that he was about to be betrayed by Judas and handed over to the authorities and killed. That wasn't what they'd expected when they signed on for following him. They were deeply troubled and afraid they knew that if Jesus was about to be killed, then things were not going to go well for them. They were next in line for sure. And so Jesus said to them, looking at their look in their faces, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. Some adults might remember an old translation which said, in my father's house, there are many mansions, which just means homes, rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus says, I've come to invite you home. And don't worry about a shortage of space here, because the place I'm talking about is vast. It's generous. There's nothing exclusive about access to it. You just have to be one of my disciples. It's the least exclusive club ever. You know, our world is riven by deep anxieties about space. We worry that there's never going to be enough room. There's the fear that overpopulation is going to denude the planet of, this, of the precious finite resources that we have. We worry that foreigners are buying up our land and our real estate. We're anxious that our way of life is disappearing. And what do we do? Well, we, we create exclusive clubs, don't we? To which... Only a limited membership can have carefully controlled access. And that's why we cling to identities that tell outsiders that they are not welcome. They are outsiders. We propose building walls, literal and metaphorical, to keep outsiders out and to remind them that they are outsiders, that they must know their place. They don't belong. We don't always do it overtly, but we know from the bloody history of the 20th century what a destructive force this anxiety over space, or Lebensraum, as Hitler called it, can be. Because we fear not belonging, we create spaces where others don't belong. We do it in the playground at school. We do it in the office at work. We do it in our clubs and societies. We do it in our nation. But what did Jesus do? Well, Jesus came to a place that rejected him for which the, in which there was no place for him, and yet he made 
a place for you. There's no shortage of space in his house. He's got room to burn. There's nothing stingy about the accommodation plans of his father. And there's a room there. It's got your name on the door and it's got a booking at the counter. There's a place at the table with your name card on it. If you come to him, then you found a place where you belong. This is enormous news. If you haven't heard Jesus' invitation yet, or if you're uncertain as to whether you have a place at his table, hear his words this morning. Don't be troubled. He's gone to prepare somewhere for you to be. You have a home. But this news should really change us. Because if we've found a place to belong in God's enormous house, his glorious home, then we need to put down our attitudes about exclusiveness. If we've experienced the welcome that Jesus gives, even though the world didn't welcome him, then how can we not welcome others in his name? That's why traditionally churches have put on their their signs the message, all welcome. Now, the marketers among you will say, this is a really dumb sign to put on your sign, right? Because that's not how the market works. What we need to do is actually say, women 30 to 33 who are left-handed, welcome. Because that's the way the consumer uh, market works, isn't it? We segment our society and we say, you have a special place here. Men 40 to 45, welcome. But that's precisely not what we do. I had a very sad conversation this week with someone who said she'd been repeatedly and personally rejected by the church. She'd not lost her faith, but she'd lost her place. She found no place to belong in God's family. If the place that the Father has got ready for us has space for everyone, then you and I here should also make space for everyone. The church of Jesus Christ should mirror his welcome to the world. I'm not being romantic about this. I don't say that it's easy. Hospitality is really easy when everyone is like you. When everyone, we all went to the same schools, we all got the same background, we've all got the same income, we've all got the same tastes. Well, that's easy. It's easy to be hospitable in that case. But when you welcome in people who aren't like you, it's complicated. It's difficult. It takes effort. But I've often said it, St Mark's Darling Point should be the least exclusive club in the eastern suburbs. Our welcome to everyone in the name of Jesus should be as expansive and open as Jesus' invitation to us. People need to know that God is calling them into his home and that Jesus will prepare a place for them. And if they come in Jesus' name, they will find a place here too. We need to embody the welcome that we've found through Jesus in the Father's name, in the Father's house. What an extraordinary Christmas challenge for us. Come home to where you belong. But now, be the place where others who call Jesus their Lord will also belong. Amen. Thanks for listening please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.